Success leaves clues, and at the Humans of Imperial podcast, we search for those clues in the stories of our alumni around the world. I'm Chris Roberts, and this week I caught up with international management graduate, now consultant, and the founder of the Africa Homage Exhibitions, Brian Bovey. Brian has a deep passion for art, and in this episode, we explore how he brought this passion to Imperial through his work with the Africa Business Club, and how art can be used to make deeper connections than we might usually experience in our personal and professional lives. Here's what you can expect this week. The Homage Exhibition was um, a diversity-focused art exhibition uh, held at Imperial for two days, um, where we had um, African artists from all around the world uh, coming over and just showing you know, their art, their, their perspective of what um, being African was. And it was just a brilliant way, at least for us, to talk about diversity in a less, um, in a less heavy heavy way and not just sitting at the table and say, today we're going to talk about diversity, what are the numbers and so on. Yeah, I think you, you're right on, uh, right on the spot here. And I think that's also what we try to do with the, the homage exhibition is so that people have a preconceived idea and I'd be the first one having it um, of what something should be, could be or would be. But then you're, when you're facing reality, you're like, oh my God, this is certainly not what I expected. For me, that was the beauty of it. That was, that is the whole purpose of what I'm trying to do in this, in, in this mm-hmm. moment, like showing that people see different things and giving them a place where they could just discuss it creates a bond that allows for more diversity itself. This is my conversation with Brian Bovey. Well, thank you for joining me. Why don't we start with an introduction and maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, Chris. Uh, thank you very much for the, the invitation. So uh, my name is Brian Bovey. I'm uh, an alumni from Imperial College Business School. Um, I was uh, studying my master's in international management in 2021 up to 2022. Um, I am now uh, a consultant, um, as many of my of my peers, um, but maybe on a more personal note, uh, I'm passionate about art, technology, entrepreneurship. So I've been uh, quite fond of NFTs, uh, blockchain technology over the, the last year. Um, and my draw to art uh, brought me to... Uh, to create or co-create with uh, some of my fellow students at Imperial, uh, the Imperial Africa, Imperial Homage Exhibition. Um, and uh, yeah, apart from that, I love uh, the song as, uh, as of today. So yeah. Cool, thanks for that. And we're going to hopefully explore a lot of that as we go through this episode. So that's a really good introduction. Um, if you don't mind, to start, can we go back to kind of your time pre-Imperial and just give us a bit of a rundown of, of what your experience was before you joined Imperial to do your master's? Brilliant. Um, so maybe I should have stated that uh, I'm Swiss okay. originally uh, from the French part. So uh, born and raised in Switzerland. Um, I've had a fairly uh, normal upbringing, I'd say. Um, but I had the chance to to travel quite a bit. So I did my... Uh, my university in Switzerland undergrads for two years and then I went to London and then to Copenhagen so I already had a bit of a, an international exposure 
before coming to London, uh, where I guess uh, become to <laughs> become handy uh, in an international class uh, such as that of uh, my masters. Mm. And you had a little little bit of work experience here and there as well, didn't you? you? You did a bit of strategy consulting, a bit of sales, finance, business development. Were they? Can you talk us through what they were? Yeah, so I think um, I've always tried to be a bit hands-on. Uh, in Switzerland, unlike the UK, I think uh, we have less seminars, uh, less practical um, practical classes. Uh, it's very much individual work, um, which is, in my opinion, really good as well because it teaches us a lot of work ethic. But um, I've always tried to be in a situation where I could be on a practical side. So I, ha- I had this... Uh, a work of uh, a salesman indeed um, which was really good to actually uh, start talking with customers uh, get to know people um, and interact with the, with people on a, on a quick basis I also had a, an eight month internship in a AI project management startup uh, where I could see firsthand what the, the startup work was like and how hectic yet interesting and stimulating it could be um, and apart from that, I did a um, couple of internships in accounting, um, and and I worked in a in a retirement home. Um, but that was mostly on a voluntary basis. Um, so yeah, that, I hope that gives a bit of an overview. It does. It's it's quite varied as well. You did quite a lot of things. What was it a case of taking opportunities at that point in time or were you trying out different things to kind of see what you like see what you didn't like what you wanted to do next what was going on with that i think it was a mixture of opportunities and affinities um (laughs) i also believe that certain things come your way um i believe that i am in between an introvert and an extrovert person, which is a a strange mix, but um, this salesman position gave me the chance to be more in contact with others. Um, And on the other end, uh, maybe working in a retirement home was more closer to my uh, introvert person while I just having a one-on-one conversation with all people. Um, So I think those elements were quite distinct but complemented one another and they arrived over time um, fairly well uh, one after another and uh, yeah my latest one in the um, in the AI startup was just uh, I guess an opportunity for me to combine what I had learned before um, with my my curriculum and my studies and then just like putting it to into proper action mm. it's it's funny it's probably one of those things as we go through this conversation i'm sure we'll see how all of those short-term kind of experiences have developed you to kind of get to where you are now and you'll have got different skills from each one that have helped you to get to where you are now and i think that's something that's probably going to come out as we go through this conversation so let's move on to the next bit i want to talk about your time in imperial talk us through i know you've mentioned what you studied talk us through again what you studied what it was like kind of what your experience was yeah so um <laughs> I don't want to do too much publicity, but Imperial was pretty amazing. Um, just because, as I said, it was very different from what I knew before. Um, coming from Switzerland, like was individual work. Indeed, you have, you have your friends, you go to the library and you get things done. But uh, Imperial was a complete other set of magnitude in a way that 
we'll just come in and I'd never be alone. Uh, we'll be always like uh, getting teamwork or getting um, yeah, projects together, sitting together, brainstorming ideas, exchanging, uh, working late sometimes, <laughs> which I guess is part of the deal. But uh, yeah, it has always been um, very... I don't want to say encouraging, but um, it was an atmosphere where you felt um, supported by your peers. And so that was like very much the, um, the academic side where we were uh, on one another, with one another, uh, exchanging and, and learning together. And then apart from that, I think Imperial gave me just the amazing opportunity for to be in London and then experience London as a student whose schedule is... Uh, certainly more favorable than a working professional. Um, so just like enjoying London uh, and networking uh, in in a manner that I'd never done before, uh, being so be it on campus because there were just a plethora of, uh, of events, but also outside. Uh, as I said, I am very much into blockchain, NFTs and so on. And I was pleased to see that uh, London had an, an effervescent community about that. Um, so it was just like, a beautiful space to be in aside from uni and um yeah imperial gave me the chance to leverage everything else around uh, in london mm. you mentioned um blockchain nfts that sort of thing where do you think you're interested in that came from and just in case i mean you probably have to be living under a rock but just in case some of our listeners don't know too much about those things could you give us a bit of an explanation about give it an idiot's guide that's like, i'm the idiot in this situation talk me through kind of what it is and and where you think that interest came from yes yeah, so I'll, I'll try my best um so <laughs> i'd say uh as i said i did an ai uh, project management uh, in, uh, startup internship uh, right before coming to imperial so um i, I studied different um different ways of approaching business and uh, and projects. And one of them was, well, in one of these, I discovered the technology of blockchain, which is essentially uh, an immutable, so uh, something that you cannot change, um, a record that is open source, so available to all, uh, and that is secure. So essentially, um, that was an idea that, this technology could be applied apply to any anything, and an NFT simply um, the um, proof of ownership of an item, whatever it is, uh, being physical or digital, on the blockchain. Um, so I got into that because I love art, as I said, and um, I think the biggest uh, the biggest hype around NFTs was around art uh, when people sold. Uh, it's 5,000 days for 69 millions, if I remember correctly. Um, so after that, there was a lot of conversation about, is it worth, is it not? Uh, what are the interests behind it? And uh, then the community here in London uh, was just yeah, extremely welcoming. So it was, a, it was a, a very good merger between uh, tech, innovation, and art. And that led to uh, everything afterwards. <laughs> Cool. And that's kind of landed in a way that, you you know, you've, you've got these interests, you've come to Imperial to do your master's, and you've ended up in a position that lets you explore that a little bit more, I think, as well. Could you talk us through what you're doing at the minute? Um, so just right now, I'm a risk management and finance consultant. Um, so it's 
in a way related, but not necessarily. Um, I guess in the financial services, some some players are actually thinking about the, the integration of blockchain. But uh, mm. at the moment, it's very much like uh, understanding the risk inherent to financial institutions and uh, their clients. Cool, that sounds good. Um, so I mean, I'm interested in hearing about the types of projects that you do work on. If you're able to share that kind of thing, what kind of things do you work on on a day-to-day basis? Maybe give us a bit of a of what a day in the life looks like as well. Talk us through what your general day looks like. And give us your job title, if that's all right, for, for people who are listening. Yeah, so my job title is consultant. Um, and I'd say a day is uh, going to the office, catching up with uh, the colleagues, uh, checking up emails. And when on a project, um, because I guess this is uh, something that people should know of, would like to know that uh, when you're a consultant, there's uh, the moment you're on a project and there's the moment where you're in between projects. So when you're on a project, it's very, um, I'm in conversation with the team, seeing what are the deliverables, what are the the different uh, tasks of the day, then just like going through it, making sure that everything's on point. And uh, when you're in between, then I think this is the, um, this is, a part that is really interesting, in my opinion, where the creativity of a consultant can come into play uh, and say, on top of the, the problem-solving skills that you need for the project, it's very specific and targeted. Um, this in my company was the opportunity to, to build upon what is, um, what is there. So there's the, the status quo. And then you can always uh, propose improvements or solutions or events um and then simply like let's say empower the firm uh with your ideas uh in between more um, projects yeah mm. cool uh, i do want to go back to talk about the imperial for one more part and the reason we've kind of jumped around a little bit is because um, i think this conversation is probably going to take up the rest of this discussion if that's all right with you um, i know that while you were at imperial you were a member of the africa business club and you were involved in that as well uh, can you I mean, tell me what your involvement was, what your role was with that club and what it was that drew you to to join him, first of all, and I guess kind of taking a bit of a leadership position in it as well because you were involved in that. Yeah, indeed. Um, so maybe i come back to what I said uh, mm. uh, at the very beginning. So uh, I am indeed uh, originally from Switzerland, but I have a mixed heritage from Switzerland and Senegal. My mom's from Senegal. And um I think it was a good opportunity for me to expand on this um, side of my personality or my character by being um, in the Africa Business Club and getting um, getting in touch with my more African side, I'd say, um, in, a, in an educational context. So it's like um, I took this opportunity. So I had um, I took the role of head of the events and uh, activities um, with the team team of two or three individuals and then what happens is um i think it was just a brilliant experience to on one side being able to uh, manage a team or like um be in a team that you you build upon you you get ideas and then you you put you don't and you brainstorm but you put these ideas into action and then deliver them um and it also helped me being um Say the instigator of the homage exhibition as well. Like mm. um, as part of this, we organized a, so uh, the homage exhibition was um, a diversity-focused art exhibition uh, held at Imperial for two days, um, where we had um, 
African artists from all around the world are coming over and just showing your, their art, their, their perspective of what um, being African was. Um, and that was combined with different uh, panel conversations uh, from industry professionals, so from the cultural industry, financial industry, technology. Um, and it was just a brilliant way, at least for us, to talk about diversity in a less um, in a less heavy heavy way, not just sitting at the table and say, today we're going to talk about diversity, what are the numbers and so on, but just demonstrating that um, cultures can be shared through different means and art was just uh, for us uh, and particularly for me like uh, an important way or an easy way to showcase that um, something is different but we all have a common understanding at the very source and we can build on that to get to know someone or something better um, mm. so where did the idea for the exhibition originally come from? So to give any listeners who aren't familiar with the Careers Clubs, they run events, you know, three, four major events throughout the year. The homage exhibition was far bigger than most of the events that clubs run. It tends to be sort of employer connections and things like that. So where did that first inspiration come from to look at running an event like that? Um, so <laughs> um, I came up with the events uh I'd say a couple months before arriving at Imperial, um, I had a brainstorm. So maybe I should state that as well. <laughs> That's really interesting. So you, you actually had the idea before you even arrived. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had the idea in the first week. That was actually one of my very <laughs> funny moments. It was um, one of the first weeks we had the, the introduction with the team and uh, the different like careers club and uh, student life and so on. I was already looking for who I should talk to to get that idea put forward um mm. and it was um it was really funny to see that impure was really responsive to it uh even though it, it came sort of out of the blue and was not necessarily part of the the original curriculum so um yeah i had this idea uh because one of my dream i'd say is to become an art broker um in the first place before being a consultant um and it was also a really good way to to embed this into Imperial because Imperial is a very STEM school um, and sort of showing that humanities also play a role in creativity uh, and business mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, I came up with this idea uh, and I was around uh, the table uh, with my mom and my sister and we were actually looking at the, um, the news, uh, the French news on, on TV and um, they showed a, a footage of uh, Senegal, which was a very, uh, I'd say, interesting footage, which was, I don't want to say primitive, but it was a very uh, savannah-like and very, um, you know, small houses in, in mud. Um, and my sister and my mom were completely uh, shocked me with, like, oh my God, this is, this is so wrong, because if you go to Senegal and then you, you go and see what it looks like, it would be far different from that. Um, so from this idea, I came up to the fact that plenty of people rely on those sources uh, to understand what a specific culture is or could be without being actually involved in any way or knowing what it is. Um, so the idea of the homage was to bring art from uh, those 
less known countries um, directly. And I think the opportunity to showcase that um, these artists have a unique experience and that uh, this could actually <laughs> look far closer to to what it really is than what it could be portrayed by a third party. Mm. I hope it makes sense. No, it does. Um, so, so kind of, I personally work with the clubs myself um, day to day, and I know it can be really challenging to get some of the smallest events off the ground and, you know, get attendance and secure speakers and make everything work. And you've planned and delivered something that was far beyond what a lot of club events are. What what were some of the challenges that you faced when you were trying to get the kind of the idea off the ground and then, you know, in the running of the thing itself? Um, so I'd say that there were two main challenges, um, probably maybe two, three. The first one was, uh, as you said, it's a completely new idea. So even though Imperial was really open to the idea, um, Imperial stays a fairly traditional institution. And then it requires a lot of agreements and approvals from so many different sides that you don't even know exist <laughs> as, a, as a student, which uh, made the process uh, of actually securing funding, which also was a bit of a, a fair conversation, um, quite lengthy. Uh, so it took us from the idea that got proposed in September, it took us up to, say, March mm. to get everything sorted with the university just to say that, okay, we can start uh, really moving things forward. And the university relies on a very safe risk approach, I'd say. Um, mm. So they, they wouldn't like to put forward something that does not exist, which makes sense, um, need to promote it. So while trying to convince the university, we were trying to convince the artists, the speakers, and everyone involved to come to an event that was not actually agreed yet. Um, so it was a bit of a chicken and egg problem of making sure that we would have the, um, the relevant parties involved while having the support of the university. Um, and to be honest, it took us, uh, so as I said, when we, we got the, so we had a very important like, planning phase with the team um, from those six months, I think uh, everybody got really involved and everybody like chipped in. And I think that's that that was the beauty of the club. It's like, um, as I said, I arrived with the idea, um, but from what it was at the beginning to what it actually turned out to be, there's like a gigantic gap. And this is this has been filled by the the ideas of um, my friends and colleagues uh, from the club. Um, so like all of this. Um, the ideation process took a, a fair amount of time convincing the university and then when you have let's say the university convinced that 50% they agreed on a specific budget but nothing is out yet because you have not found all the speakers and not everything is secured is that sort of final push of two to three months of really hating people up all the time and making sure that um, you'll have or everything that you have promised to deliver. Um, and yeah, I think that was the, the challenging bit, making sure that uh, the team kept motivated in those last moments, especially because there was the, um, 
So the event took place in October 20, on October 25th and 26th, um, which made it post uh, end of the program. And many people have already started working in mm -hmm. September. Therefore, there was, uh, I'd say, two sort of schedule to manage, um, which indeed was also a challenging bit. Um, but we're here today. We made it. Um, mm. So I guess that's fine. So how'd it go? Tell us about what it was like on the day. On the two <laughs> days. I think you said it was over two days, wasn't it? Um, so the first day was, uh, was a really interesting one. We had to set up everything. So mm. arriving on campus at like 7 a.m., making sure that the walls, the the exhibit, um, the artworks would be set up and that everything was in place. Um, and then like we had the, the different attendees coming over. We had the, the first panel, second panel, third panel. And then there was just a, um, a very cool atmosphere because the exhibition was set in the atrium. So very entrance of the, the business school. So you'd see the whole business school and the whole college like going through it. And um, some would understand, some others would not understand what it was around, but uh, Many people just like uh, spend some time like looking at the artworks, maybe asking some questions like, what is it about? And yeah, getting interested in why there was art on campus. Mm. And I think this bit was uh, the most important because it, it gave once again, the opportunity for people to just like um, connect over something that was probably so far away from what they knew, mm. uh, but still get interested and uh, at the end participate in the conversations. Um, that we hosted um, later down the line. I mean, it obviously went well as well because it's still running now, like as, as an event, uh, it's still going now. Are you still involved in it? Yeah, completely. So um, now we're going to run the second uh, second edition uh, this year uh, in October as well. So um, it's very much um, something that, that is close to my heart. And uh, I'm, actually try I'm actually taking this as a from just the idea of an event into something that is uh, something bigger outside of Imperial um, and generate and create like a, a company out of it um, called the Homage Group. Um, and this would be uh, a diversity focus uh, management consultancy firm as well um, that would simply allow people to understand better cultures um, in professional environments and uh, educational uh, institutions as well. Mm. Cool. So if, if listeners are interested and they would like to attend something later this year, are you planning any events or anything like that? Feel free to plug it while you're on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're going to have the, um, uh, the Homage Exhibition 2023 mm. uh, at MQ, uh happening in October. So if you're interested, definitely uh, stay tuned uh, and we'll send over some information uh, or probably by email. We'll have our website set up as well. Um, mm. And yeah, our mailing list. Um, so yeah, I think we already have. Uh, I mean, we already have a Instagram channel, uh, Imperial Homage Exhibition uh, from twenty twenty two, which we're gonna keep. So uh, feel free to to pop on Instagram and find us. Cool. I keep my eyes open for that one. And one of the nice things I've seen over the last few months is that you've had a chance to take that passion you've obviously got um, into the company that you work for. And I think you ran kind of some events with a similar sort of theme to them as well. Could you tell us a little bit about that, about what you've been doing? I think you did a panel um, or a discussion recently. Yes. So um, as, part of, um, as part of Reply, so the company I work for, was, uh, it has been, they have been really open to, to new ideas, as I said, and um, we had a, 
a set of multiple activities. So the first one was actually about African art. So, in, uh, so demonstrating uh, or allowing an African artist to express his idea of African art, black art, um, to to the um, the corporate community and just like explaining his perspective of what it was and sort of like breaking the stereotype of what African art should be. Uh, some might think that it should be tribal, it should be masks, it should be something that uh, you would find in the jungle, but it can also be abstract art uh, on a canvas and you'd never know that the artist is a black artist. Um, so that was a very interesting like perception and uh, showing that at the end of the day, what was important was the art, not necessarily the person behind it. Mm. Um, no, it's his or her color of skin. Um, so we had this event, uh, which I think went out pretty well. Um, really good turnout and uh, really good feedback. And then we had some extension of that um, on the AI front because um, Reply is a management consultancy firm, but also very much focused on technology. So um, we had some conversations around um, how we could use AI as a diversity tool or diversity enhancement tool, should I say. Mm. Um, so we ran a competition of uh, using AI generative arts uh, software such as Midjourney to actually um, depict the, <laughs> we use the word tribe, um, depict the, the perspective of a tribe and what it was like to actually um, yeah, to actually belong to something and let their creativity wander on one side or the other and just like um, have a, yeah, have a conversations around that. Uh, that was also coupled with a, a panel conversation with an AI artist that would express uh, her perspective on AI arts. Is it art or is it not? And um, then like a tutorial session on the journey itself. So yeah, we got, um, we got some things running on the side. Cool. You can hear you get a passion for art, to be honest. It comes it comes right through in what you're saying. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about what you just said about the, the discussion that you had was this, this idea of what African art is and kind of, I think, to be honest, the way you were talking about it, it makes you think about your own unconscious bias a little bit. And I guess that's kind of part of the idea. It's it's making people think about themselves and their unconscious kind of maybe prejudice is even is what you could say as well about what you think of when you hear those words and I think that's that's really interesting was that kind of one of the goals that you were trying to get to as well yeah I think you you're right on the right on the spot here and I think that's also what we try to do with the the homage exhibition is so that people have a preconceived idea and I'd be the first one having it um of what something should be could be or would be but then you're, when you're facing reality, you're like, oh my God, this is certainly not what I expected. And I think this is breaking this stereotype that was really important for us to show that, I say African art, but it could be uh, Middle East art. Um, that, that would be, that you expect something to be so, so focused on uh, the cultural background, but it can also be the expression of a feeling or something that uh, we had a we had an artist called uh, Otelo de Sousa Artley. Um, I hope I didn't uh, pronounce his name wrong, um, but um, he was uh, he was a, an abstract artist uh, focusing very much on black canvas. That was sort of his signature and uh, very harsh. Uh, stroke lines so it was very much demonstrating the beauty of blackness and not necessarily talking about how 
how it could be easy or uneasy to be a black individual in a specific society. And those are small shifts that people don't necessarily think about when they see a painting or uh, an artwork or photography. Um, and I think that's what we wanted to show is like, artists are who they are. They carry their own stories and they carry their own beliefs and own stereotypes as well. But not all African art or culturally related art is about their culture. It's about the story of a being. And I think that's where it fits into diversity. It's like we try to understand the being first before relating it to any uh, ethnicities, race, or color of skin, or disabilities, or whatever else mm. judgments. Yeah, yeah. It says a lot about the company you work for as well, that they've embraced that you have this passion and you obviously have this motivation to to kind of do work like this. And they've not only said like, okay, that's cool and recognized it, but they've let you go out and set up events and kind of pursue it a little bit more. I think that's that's really good. And it says quite a lot. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I think they have been very uh, open and um, beyond comprehensive, very like keen on learning more, uh, pushing for more ideas. And I think that's... Uh, that's a chance that no, I, mean, I don't want to speak for things that I don't know. Um, but from what I've heard, it's not necessarily something all companies would have done. Um, so in that sense, I can only be extremely grateful. Mm. It's funny as well, these kind of things. So a lot of companies focus on on things like EDI and, and, and issues like that. I do think that as much as an organization uh, and any organization I'm talking about here kind of wants to focus on these kind of topics and kind of where it could be anything, it could be sustainability, um, the environment, things like that. For these things to really work, there needs to be people who are passionate about it and are willing to drive it because at the end of the day, you've got a job to do like wherever you work, like you, you, you do have something, there's a reason that you're there. If you're going to do something extra to that because you're passionate about something, then it really takes individuals to drive it. So I think it's a really good idea for, for organizations to, when someone demonstrates a passion for something, that they nurture it and you know give them opportunities to go out and do something about it because they can be leaders in organizations on those things. You know, I fully agree. I think it's, it's about offering the chance to individuals to showcase their passion and if the company manages to keep it alive long enough, then they'll have a passionate worker rather than just a worker with a passion. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think that's, you, you said it pretty well. Uh, it sets the ground to be, I'd say, closer to a leader in a way. Um, in one way, uh, the individual is keen and on the other side, uh, the company is willing to actually put forward uh time, resources, um, and, yeah, dedication to it. Mm. It's interesting as well. So obviously I work at a university. Um, so when you say it shows your passion that you were willing to push so hard to make sure the, the homage exhibition went ahead, and you mentioned it took a long time for things to go through, when it comes to any large organisation, nothing happens fast. <laughs> I can say that from experience. So, you know, it demonstrates your passion that you, you're willing to push for so hard, push so hard to get something off the ground. And then you mentioned that you kind of turned it into a, into a company in itself. Is that the plan for the future? Like kind of what are your, what's your vision for it for the future? Yeah, I think that's, um, that's one of the ideas. I think I've seen that there is indeed, uh, Plenty of companies talk about EDI. Have uh, some of them have an EDI committee in place? Um, yet, 
it's more so talking about the way people feel in those uh, those situations, but there's not a proper hands-on uh, approach to actually, I don't want to say change things, because mm. uh, things change. Change happens over time, and with the willingness of people, you cannot change people, people change themselves. Um, but you can incentivize people to change, or you can uh, show a certain way of or having conversations that will lead them to think differently from their own perspective. And I think that's that's what I like to do with the, the homage group is very much offering the chance to, let's say, um, people that do not necessarily have the opportunity to. Um, and I can take a fairly standard instance uh, if we think about, um, let's say, this is a mock, okay, so uh, don't quote me on this, but uh, let's imagine um, a room of senior executive uh, in their 50s, 70% um, white uh, male. Then if you put those people in front of a black alternative artist who showcases um, the importance of um, the recognition of a female body uh, in, his, in his work, then those people might see things from a very different perspective. You're not, you're not telling them to purchase the art. You're not telling them to say that uh, this is how they should think. But you're just showcasing that there's another perspective mm. somewhere. And just by exposing them to this perspective and allowing them to have a conversation with this person, then you are, in a way, just like sparking uh, a potential change. And I think that's, mm. the, that's the whole importance for me. It's like giving the opportunity for people to change if they'd like to, but giving them the opportunity to be in that situation in the first place. Mm. That's really interesting. I, I, I'll admit, I don't know a huge amount about art, but my kind of my impression from that is that, you know, you're inspired by art. You have Art makes you feel things and think of it. It's like this thing I was saying earlier about thinking about your own kind of bias and things like that. It makes you feel these things that weren't necessarily at the front of your mind before. So I actually really like the idea of using that power of art and the artist, because obviously you've mentioned the artist as well, to inspire people in the boardroom, boardroom, for example. That's that's that sounds like such a unique idea. Yeah, I mean, um, I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen many people doing it for uh so far. So I'm really happy to come up with this and try to push it forward and making make it reality. And it, it's using culture. Um, to influence issues like EDI, which makes so much so much sense. It seems obvious when you say it out loud, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think that's that's something. And I, I'll take the instance. Um, so there's uh, a fairly well-known international art fair uh, that takes place in London, actually in October as well, called uh, 154. And I went there with one of my, my friends from uh, university, so um, from Imperial, um, <laughs> if ever Halvard uh, hears this podcast, uh, it was a pleasure being there with you. Um, and we we went there. We we just had a fairly interesting walk. And at some point, we we stopped in front of uh, this huge uh, artwork, and it was a line of people, uh, like almost masses. Let's imagine, and. Halvard did a very, very specific takes, and like those people are led um, to go somewhere. And on my side, I was seeing something slightly more sinister on something closer to um, 
to uh, so a working camp or something like that. And this, this was very interesting because we both saw the same thing, but we had very different, different perspective. And then we started talking about it. And then I couldn't understand his perspective because of, mm-hmm. because of his stories. And that went so far beyond just the artwork. It went into me learning about his personal stories and me sharing my own stories. And at the end of the day, I was like, oh, this guy lives this and I live that, which at the end of the day make us think or see or acknowledge a different reality from an intrinsically singular entity, which in that case was a piece of art. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was the beauty of it. That was that is the whole purpose of what I'm trying to do in this in, in this mm-hmm. moment. It's like showing that people see different things and giving them an a place where they could just discuss it creates a bond that allows for more diversity itself. Mm. I think you've described that beautifully, to be honest. I couldn't I couldn't add to that. So <laughs> so yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Um a final question, and I ask this to every guest on the podcast, what advice would you have for current students? Or the other way to look at it is if you could go back in time and speak to yourself at the very beginning, what advice would you give yourself? <laughs> it's a lovely one. Um, if I could give myself one advice, I think it depends. I think I'll, if I may, I'll change the rules of this question. <laughs> Um, I give myself one single advice in multiple time spans. So at the very beginning, I'd say get to know people, get to know people and not many people talk about networking. Um, I think people don't understand what networking is. Networking is uh, being genuine and getting to know what other people are doing. It's not about, uh, yeah, that person is actually doing this or is the son of this. And in one way, I could end up somewhere doing this. No, it's just about you making friends. And at the end of the day, you're just a bunch of friends that do things that could be le- um, close to one another. So the first one at the very beginning, make friends. Um, the second one, slightly later in the year, uh, certainly September, October time, when everybody starts applying, is... Don't let yourself be pushed away from what you want because everybody's doing something. So you go to Imperial, uh, I'll, I'll speak for international management because that's the only one I did. Um, 99% wants to do investment banking or uh, consulting, management consulting. <laughs> Uh, I arrived at the very first day and I was like, I want to be an art broker. I want to be something that's so far away from what it was proposing in, in its settings. And today I am a consultant. <laughs> so I slightly let myself be off the ground. And I think it's it, it was uh, also to, to my benefit because I during this experience of uh, consulting, I think I've learned a lot of things uh, from communication to relationship to the way to approach a problem and so on and so forth. But it's stay true to yourself as much as you can. Uh, that indeed, there are realities. Um, but yeah, if you feel strongly about something, never let it die. And uh, yeah stay strong in that sense and yeah just enjoy 
enjoy the ride. Um, Imperial goes fast, flies by. Uh, so just enjoy every single minute. And it's very often in the hardship that you see you see your friends, and it's often in the hardship that you'll see or you recognize the best moments. Hmm. If you don't mind me saying, that's some of my favorite advice I've heard in the series so far. So thank you for sharing that. I think if you make friends and stay true to yourself, I don't think you can go too far wrong. So I think that's brilliant advice. Thank you for that. And thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you, Chris, for inviting me. One of the things I love about hosting this podcast is having the chance to hear people's stories, but also hear them talk about things that they're passionate about. I don't know if you heard it, but Brian really lit up when we started talking about art, and as someone who enjoys art but isn't particularly connected to that world, it was a real privilege to be part of this conversation and bring it to you for the podcast. It's clear that the Homage exhibition is something that was and continues to be personally important to Brian, and hearing about the ways that he's using art to highlight the subtle biases that all of us have was really enlightening. I always say that the person who probably gets the most on this podcast is me because I get to have these conversations. And this is one of those times where you do end up going through a little bit of personal reflection and I hope you find it the same. The way he's using art to connect with people is brilliant too. And if you're interested in going to the Homage Exhibition's 2023 event, it'll be taking place at Imperial College Business School on the 23rd and 24th of October 2023. And tickets are available on Eventbrite now. Tickets are free, but you're able to make a donation to the Kari Scholarship Foundation if you'd like to. As always, thank you for listening. I've been Chris Roberts, and I'll see you next time.